0: You are now listening to the wiser words podcast
1: hi guys welcome back to the podcast and today I'm with Jens Riegelsberger from Google who heads up um, products and research for a few of the teams and today we're going to be talking about his career digital leadership and a few of the problems that the design faces today so Jens you uh, have a very impressive CV Apple Amazon Microsoft Google where did your love of user experience come from
0: uh, when I got into this whole thing, I, there wasn't much of a user experience field to be honest. This was in the '90s. I was uh, between art school and computer science, so I was like, "Ah, I have passions in both fields." But it wasn't clear to me how I could find a job ever that would combine those things. And then, only over the years, <laughs> I realized there is actually a growing field called user experience that brings those things together. And uh, yeah, many of these early experiences with those companies, that was yeah, just being interested in what they do and and you know trying my hand actually, and then finding my path
1: see. So when your, your first role was with Apple, wasn't it?
0: That was when I wasn't employed by Apple. I was doing a, a undergraduate degree project with them. So that was actually pretty cool. This was in Germany still. And we were pretty entrepreneurial, I think. We just we had to do, this was art school, we had to do, or design school. We had to do our final year project and we had to find a client. And we were like, well, let's just cold call Apple. Let's see what they <laughs> wow. say. Uh, and it was amazing because at the time, Steve Jobs had just come back. So the whole company was like upside down. Uh, really, really exciting and they, Amazingly to us, you know, maybe, you know, there was so much changing in the company, but like, sure, we'll give a, give this a go. So we worked with Apple Germany for, uh, for our final year university project. So you know, they were our clients and we developed a campaign did research for them. So I was in charge of that uh, research project and then um, gave our recommendations to them in the end they came to our presentation and it was actually really cool that was actually my first dip into Silicon Valley culture I think so
1: great who was your main stakeholders within Apple Uh, so
0: that was the head for marketing in in Germany at the time yeah yeah
1: and then from Apple you moved to Amazon
0: well so this is uh, if you go through my history uh, I spent being a good German many years at university and I've always had these work experiences going back and forth so uh, the thing with Apple was gave me great taste for, hey, you know, I can actually do something while at university uh, for these big companies. So when I came back to the UK, um, I pitched my uh, uh, final year project uh, to Amazon and uh, consulted with them while I was finishing my degree. Uh, that led uh, to close link with Amazon UK and Amazon Germany again. So again, I got into the whole um, user experience field, both academically, but also practically those, I mean, Amazon was pretty small at the time. I was going to say, it yeah. must
1: have been a ha- very small at the yeah. time. Yeah, and
0: I think the link at the time came through my professor here in London at UCL. She knew some of the early Amazon people and was like, hey, this guy's doing stuff that could be interesting for you. So that, that was the link. Uh, and then uh, Microsoft, uh, when I was doing my PhD, Microsoft Research, um, this was the early 2000s, uh, they really had a reputation for attracting the cutting edge of human computer interaction or user experience research. Uh, so I um, yeah applied uh, and did part of my um, research with them. That was actually pretty cool because, um, again, Combining the the theoretical and the practical, I worked on the, what was it, um, the Xbox 360, which was, I mean, many, many years ago. It was cutting edge then. Uh, And that allowed gamers to talk to each other and to do social gaming, which was one of the first social gaming experiences. Uh, We got a patent for that. And uh, some of the uh, social matchmaking um, algorithms were informed by the work I did then.
1: Amazing. So from Microsoft you finish your PhD you're out into the the real world as such of of work and um, what what was user experience like at that time compared to now
0: well so like me many folks came into the field not studying user experience so there were not that many um, dedicated degree courses Uh, so many of my colleagues came from you know either from engineering or from design architecture was a very prominent field Uh, so there were a lot of folks like me who were really interested in bringing together design and technology and then forging their path Uh, so that was i think it's a very very um yeah very exciting frontier spirit almost right because there's no you know there's no not much in terms of textbooks that you can go by or like clear career path and that made the whole thing really really exciting i think
1: what do you think the main difference for people coming into industry now compared to 2003 when you did um in terms of like the type of backgrounds people are coming from do you see a difference there well there's
0: definitely much more dedicated res- or dedicated education now that leads you directly into the field even if we are hiring now there's um uh, universities that we have partnerships with um that teach all the different aspects that make around a professional in that field that's still relatively new now you could say oh it's much easier today because all of this has grown since On the flip side though if i look at what's needed today and where the field is going there's so much change now right so we're moving towards conversational design artificial intelligence is changing everything so again i think we're at a very interesting point in time where whatever you thought oh this is my profession this is what i need to learn may no longer be true in five years so similar to maybe 10 15 well 20 years ago now it is uh it is a pivotal moment i think which makes it interesting but also you know a bit uncertain
1: absolutely and in terms of um obviously partnerships with universities and there's boot camps now there's people coming from various different angles do you think there's any skills people lack or or you've seen a lot of people lack in certain areas like soft skills and how to win stakeholder engagement all that kind of stuff or
0: it i mean it depends right so we have um Certainly, when I came into the field, so I came into this via a uh, UX research angle, and at the time when I came in, most of the courses uh, were focused on, hey, these are the research method skills. So these are the specific practical skills that you have to know about. And then that can lead to a um, like almost a sentiment that folks come in, and go like, oh, I am the expert in this method, and you know, I will. Um, um, tell you what to do or what's a good design what's a bad design that is helpful to know yeah. but then I think you mentioned it already the soft skills are often what are not being taught and sure. I mean soft skills the term it sounds soft yeah. <laughs> but it's actually truly important right yeah. uh, you have to um, know how to win people over, how to convey uh, an expert um, point to a group of folks who are experts in other disciplines who may not appreciate uh, your expert uh, perspective. And you have to um, often facilitate people uh, and their um, their own uh, ideation, their own creation. So it's, um, yeah, I think there's a lot that um, folks learn on the job uh, and again this is not to say generally this is lacking but it's something that at least in my early days and from my own experience at university uh, was not not core part of the job and i certainly had to pick up along the way
1: do you think people um put too much emphasis on like being gregarious and being outgoing to win stakeholders engagement because or or just general buy-in from from the company because i'm reading a book at the moment called quiet by susan Oh, I forget her surname, Susan or something, um, around introverts and about mm-hmm. the power of being an introvert. Yep. And a lot of my clients especially say, right, we, we need someone that's very outgoing, can get by, can, can gather excitement. But do you think there's, there's, a, there's something powerful about being an introvert and being shy and being sort of withdrawn from people? Do you think we, as a society, we're sort of shunning away from that, especially in user experience field?
0: um so I, my perspective will be colored by google which is quite unusual i think okay. in that yeah. regard That's great so, yeah, so um the uh i think to some extent we are a company of introverts there's a lot um value placed on um you know scientific rigor knowing your stuff and that bias is towards hiring i think people who are often more on the introvert side doesn't mean that you know we are consciously <laughs> looking for that but if i look around myself and look at myself as well there's there's a lot of skewing in that direction and that's quite interesting because it is counter to I mean you said your clients often ask exactly for the opposite so we um, i think we have a um yeah, we, are, we, are, we might be an unusual anomaly. But then coming back to the question around, hey, are we not valuing like those qualities that come with being an introvert enough? Uh, we have those quest- those conversations internally quite a lot because even you know with the bias that might exist that I mentioned, compared to other companies, there's still quite a range, of course, of characters and and perspectives. And I think it's really important to. Um, um, highlight the importance of contemplation and quietness, as you said, for um, for creation. We need those periods and we actually very often consciously try to create those because we all have crazy schedules, have video conferences all the time, fly about all the time. So having those moments where we just seclude ourselves for a day with a small group of people to do creation, that has become more and more important. So absolutely a value that we hold very highly.
1: And how does Google manage introverts? Have you? Is there completely like, um, do you tailor your management style towards one introvert and one extrovert? Uh,
0: Google has invested over the last years a lot in manager training, management training. And uh, I don't think we have a specific, you know, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this sure. is the path if, <laughs> yeah, you, no, uh, sure. if your person is A, B, or C. But I think there's more awareness, which helps a lot. And with the awareness also comes um, appreciation because uh, historically um, actually so this even go going back to my first uh, job was in an agency and I think in agency environments it's certainly you know like you're closer to selling your practice consistent consistently and continuously so I do think there was more of a um, bias towards the extrovert side and I remember coming from agency to uh, to Google like oh wow I feel like I can have a you know a career path here because if I look at the leadership, I interviewed with many of the folks who are now SVPs at Google, getting them to know one on one in interviews, they were pretty calm, focused, uh, like people more on the introvert side, which which is very reassuring to me. So just celebrating leaders who um, um, uh, exhibit a series or range of 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 personality traits or values goes a long way, I think.
1: One hundred percent. So let's talk about. Um the industry as a whole uh, at this moment in time what do you think the single biggest challenges are oh my god that's these? a big <laughs> one <laughs> is, i know it's quite broad it'll so we'll, we'll yeah. go it will narrow in
0: what it means to be a user experience designer is rapidly changing at the moment we used to be focused very much on the pixels on the screen visual design was one of the lead disciplines of user experience design if you look at our products today it really is, yes, still visual design matters, but on all sorts of screens of all shapes and all environments. But more importantly, we are designing for multi- multimodal interactions, spoken output, spoken input, gestural interfaces, uh, sensor input. So there's a lot that we have to take into account for now that uh, wasn't true like 10 years ago. So that's a big challenge and we are all experimenting with that, but I don't think you know it's solved or the canonical patterns or language, design language has been found right now. So it's definitely a a key concern that we invest a lot in at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And in terms of um, job titles, so what's your opinion on having user experience designer, visual designer, front-end developer, interaction designer, UX research? How, what how, how did Google separate?
0: Uh, I'm smiling, you yeah. can't see okay. that, but <laughs> because it's an ongoing, constant oh, conversation really? that we're going through. Um, well, so f- one, one thing to notice is that there's bigger and bigger in-house design teams at big tech companies, but also more, you know, more generally in the industry. The, the The value of design, the business value of design, is more broadly recognized, which leads to more investment. So these teams are growing, which means there's more differentiation within the design teams. So that leads, I think, to more specialist titles and uh, more specialists. Um, professions and disciplines so that that makes sense now the label user experience itself has been around now for you know it was new when I started my career but it's now coming on to 20 years or more so there's a lot of debate is it really truly capturing what we are doing and uh, in particular when I talk to folks in Silicon Valley there's a more and more of a trend to speak about product design uh to i think emphasize also that it's less about oh you know we are the people who just create the surface layer on the product but really to um underline that design has to be there from the outset and really defines how the product not only looks but functions and feels and what it is ultimately
1: So say same product design say there's three companies one company has um two UX designers at the moment then three UX designers four UX designers but they want to change their the job titles to product design they've been thinking about that when would you say that's the right thing to do is it actually working on like a software product or can you have product designers at agencies for example
0: oh well um, to be honest I don't have a firm opinion on that I don't think um, that relates to size it really is the the label should (laughs) should fit the job I think right so um, if uh if your company is arranged such which from my point of view is ideal that the designers are working from the inception of the product or even before closely with engineers and product managers then i would absolutely um, lean towards that label because i think it's a more truthful um, description but I don't think there's, you know, hard rules.
1: Nah, that makes sense. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to pick your brains on, and a few people have asked me to ask you, is around leadership, especially in London. Do you see there's a distinct lack of leadership within the design industry?
0: Wow, that's a huge statement. I don't think so. I think there's amazing, um, you know, luminaries uh, and creatives. London, I mean, I've been here now for over 20 years. I, I love being here because it is so um, multifaceted. So let's say, even looking at my own circle of friends and friends with a lot of architects who are arguably in um in a creative industry that brings together technology and engineering like just like my own industry and there's a lot of you know interesting conversations a lot of inspiration that that happens and i think that is really outstanding london has that quality it's not true for architecture it's true for the whole range of creative industries here
1: It's just, i think where that assumption comes from is um, you look at silicon valley and you see all these product design leaders netflix you've got medium google facebook apple out there here we don't have as many companies with big hqs with it the, and then getting design onto the c-suite the chief design officers the new job title which people are are looking for as a, a vp level um, we just don't tend to have as many in london why do you think that is? Is that is it more adopted in the states to have a VP of design? Um, but I
0: I don't think it's the main driver from my point of view is that if you look at all these big tech companies, yes, they happen to have their headquarters in Silicon Valley or in the in the states that said there's a lot of exciting innovation a lot of really promising startups here in London more so maybe than in in other places so yes they are smaller so therefore maybe their titles and their org sizes are not what you would have in in Silicon Valley but that doesn't mean that there's a lack of leadership talent in London and
1: that's really nice yeah so happy to hear that there's
0: one other angle and that's again coming closer to my own experience Um, Google has yes headquarters are in california we have design teams in many other cities in the us in europe we have london dublin Zurich, and a couple of other cities so these are all growing but yes they're smaller at the moment both the product teams as well as the design teams than you know what we have in headquarters in in california and that leads to a certain imbalance right so uh, i'm somewhat unusual because i happen to be in london but my job is global most of the global roles are actually in silicon valley
1: yeah and that's because obviously your other job which is setting ux infrastructure
0: yeah that's right so i have a global team in any case so there's no specific need for me to be uniquely placed in, in uh in silicon valley given that i have team members in
1: australia europe i'm just out of interest how do you deal with having team members in australia like <laughs> makes for an interesting difference. schedule <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: yeah sometimes i have early mornings and yeah. um very often i have late evening calls with california uh, but it gives me time you know to come in late mornings to talk to you yeah <laughs> so that's also great
1: that's another thing i'd um, love to pick your brains on is how you how you build and keep a remote team engaged i say remote i mean obviously you're in london they're in sydney someone's in san francisco how do you keep them all on the same wavelength and working for each that other? is
0: a very good question and something we we spend a lot of time discussing and exploring as well. So first of all, we have a pretty good global video conferencing uh, infrastructure. So we can talk to each other, see each other as we need. So that, that helps. Uh, but with all of that, there is a, cer- it's almost, you know, you need to refresh that personal bond in person now and then. And if you don't do it regularly, then it kind of fades off difficult. It becomes more difficult to do video conferencing after like three months of not seeing each other. So that means for me, yes, I travel a lot. But we are also uh, very conscious that we create like team gatherings. So, for example, at the moment we're um, organizing our global summit. So once a year in July, we get together everybody, um, no matter where they are, and spend a week together. Um, you know, being inspired by um, by creative thinkers, not only in UX but you know more broadly speaking, by our product partners, and really you know commit that that time to. A celebrating design but also getting to know each other a bit better
1: so in terms of UX maturity it'd be really interesting mm-hmm. to see how you've built up the Google UX team especially in London um, and how you've built um, awareness of UX within Google
0: yeah when I joined Google um, we were about 50 people in UX globally so a pretty small team yeah, we wow. all knew each other yeah <laughs> uh, I was the first one of the first folks outside the US in UX uh, so there was a lot of opportunity to shape what we are doing the um, The one thing that is not well known about Google is that uh, one of our co-founders, Larry, he was actually, um, while he was doing his PhD in Stanford, he had a deep interest in user experience. He was doing um, his PhD in the Human-Computer Interaction Lab. So there's a strong Uh focus on user-centered thinking and user-centered design right from the beginning and one of the stories that i really uh like a lot about google is that when the whole company was maybe 20 people they would go and you know do user tests and user studies user interviews themselves with other students in stanford so there is something in the dna you know that is pretty pretty admirable google is mostly known for engineering excellence but that other part that that deep focus on on users is something that um It's not widely known, but it's something you can appeal to inside the company quite easily because it's been there from the very beginning. Now, have we always lived up to that? Or is it easy to maintain that now that we are 100,000 people? Not always, right? So there's clearly a constant conversation with uh, our partners in engineering and product management. How can we keep that user focus? How can we make sure that we do look at user needs uh, and follow best practices in terms of user experience design from the very outset? But I would argue it's easier than maybe in other companies where that DNA doesn't exist, so you can always um, link back to it.
1: And is there a certain rule within product teams that you have where um, the ratio of engineers to designers has to be a certain amount, or is it just case-by-case case basis? Uh,
0: we don't have hard rules for yeah. that. We certainly look at the numbers, uh, but it's also important to know that Google has so many different products, right? So what might be the right ratio for one product might not be the right for another product. Let's say. Our team, we're working a lot on cutting-edge uh, user experience design problems, be it conversational design, let's say, or for the Google Assistant. So we, don't, we can't really draw that much on existing patterns. So you might have to invest a bit more in creating that ecosystem or creating those patterns first. That might not be true for other products that can, you know, are more established at uh, a different stage in the product lifecycle. So I would want to be careful to say, oh, this is the true golden ratio So we have to really negotiate that case by case.
1: So in terms of the best talent joining Google, what's your interview process like and how do you secure the best talent?
0: So the quick answer is unfortunately very long. (laughs) So Google takes its interviewing um, and deliberations very seriously. And that is in one way very important because we want to be really confident that the people we hire um, really uh, are, are talented and, and will will work well uh, for, for their benefit as well. At the same time, I personally feel sometimes we could do a bit better and be a bit faster in our decision making. One thing that I really value uh, is that we make sure that designers that are coming in are meeting with the different folks that they would be working with. So it's very typical that you would interview with a product manager as well or sometimes with an engineer or with a UX researcher. I think that is really truly important to have this 360 perspective. The other thing is that it's not just the interviewing process, right? So we do quite a lot in terms of outreach, partnership with universities. Um, there's a big internship program. So we try to cultivate connections, um, not just when people decide, oh, now I want to apply. Um, again, I think we could do a bit more. And um, it's something that we do more of in the United States than here in Europe, I think. But it's certainly something we want to uh, continue and also grow outside the
1: US. And and how do you um, approach uh, diversity, and inclusion, building up the, the Google Teams? Uh, I
0: mean, thankfully in UX, we are a bit more diverse than uh, more broadly intact, but that's not a reason to be complacent at all. It's really important, what I said before, right? The It's not just the hiring process, it's also right the outreach and, and everything that comes before. Making sure that we have... Diversity and inclusion in you know as early as we can in our I- outreach, so that we have diversity in the pipeline as well as in the hiring. Uh, so that's the, the the broad strokes picture. Uh, it's also important to um, look at, and we're doing this. Um, you know, how do we phrase our job descriptions? Are they written in an inclusive language? So there's a lot of small things that can send signals to the country if you're not careful. And increasingly, we are looking at all those small elements of the entire process, of the entire pipeline. One thing um, that I um, really am proud of or really happy about, Margaret Lee, a colleague of mine, she recently has, um, Published and this comes back to your earlier question about introverts as well. uh, She published uh, actually podcasts and also a a paper on um, being a reluctant leader. And I think that's, I mean, that may speak to um, uh, different personality types, but it also touches on, you know, the stereotype of the alpha male Silicon Valley (laughs) (laughs) leader. And uh, this was really powerful. A, it was really powerful to hear her speak about this, but also it's something that, I think we need to talk about more because absolutely not. You know, if you look at our design leadership in the company, you will not find a single visionary um, design dictator. We, that's not how we're organized. That's not what we value. It's much more about jointly creating and facilitating collaboration, facilitating creativity. That's really what we value, and I do think that encourages diversity as well. Not only in that's terms really of gender diversity, yeah. but diversity of personalities as well.
1: That's really fascinating. And. I'm guess Google will have extroverts and big visionary thinkers but do they not execute on a on a day day by day basis they're more sort of hands off big like thinker or
0: Well so Google is organized very differently um, to other companies so we don't have a chief design officer so there's not one person that you know signs off on all the designs or you know generates all the ideas we are organized into different business units and there are heads of design for these different business units but that somewhat uh, more federated approach also means that they all have to negotiate <laughs> and come to conclusion as to what are, you know, our design standards and patterns. And that inherently, I think, leads to a more bottoms up and and, and democratic process, which sometimes can take longer.
1: Mm, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, it
0: sometimes leads to fewer standardizations, um, but it also has uh, a lot of benefits in particular in Google's comp uh, culture, which is, and this is not true for UX only, we really, um, value grassroots ideas. You know, we had this historic notion of the 20% project, which generated many, many innovations. So there's a belief in, hey, give hire smart people, give them some guiding principles, and then they will come up with great, great things. And that's true within UX as well. So you will find, um, yeah, I don't think you will find someone who has this very autocratic leadership style. It's, it's very hard to succeed with that.
1: Mm-hmm. How would you advise someone that's in... Say so you've been in UX for seven to eight years, they're at a head of level at a small company, they want to be a, a chief design officer, they want to go to Silicon Valley, they want to like, they want to interact with the best of the best of the best. What advice would you have for them, in, for, uh, not around skill set, but how to approach that?
0: Uh, don't focus on the title so much, <laughs> would be the key <laughs> advice. Uh, and then really look at the people and uh, the work that inspires you. Um, there's a lot of talent in Silicon Valley, obviously, there are very distinct design cultures in the different companies, so carefully look at them, and you know some design cultures might be right for you, and others might be not so good for you. So, do uh, even if the t- titles are the same, what is behind the titles might be quite different. So, spend the time talk to people who are working in these cultures and these environments to truly understand what it means to be, you know, a VP of design or a chief design officer. Um, also, from my own experience in hiring titles mean very very little <laughs> you know it's um yeah it's very hard to make sense of them and what we actually we place virtually no value on them when we look at people's resume we just want to know where have they worked what have they done and then we want to get to know them
1: so how, how do you evaluate resumes that come through uh from your procurement team of why they would be a good fit at google i tend to look at the work they've done
0: that really matters a lot the way they express themselves so that gives some um you know how how do they write about themselves and then also where they've worked before
1: so in terms of uh, where they've worked why is that an important thing for you i always use in the scenario say you've got three years at a massive tech company or you've got three years at a smaller startup um, where you've worked end-to-end but at this tech company you've only worked on a very small part of the of the process surely that person that's been at the startup which is unheard of has actually more experience and depth
0: yeah, so that's a good point. I, by saying where they've worked, I don't want to say they must have worked at a, another big tech company. That's actually coming back to the diversity question. That is n- absolutely not what I want to uh, see. But I want to see is have they worked, if it's a tech company that I know, I know a bit about the culture in most of these companies, that gives me an, you know some signal as to what kind of culture and collaborative sco- style they're familiar with. If they've worked at a startup, I know that they 've been through a very different environment, and that often is very helpful <laughs> you know, yet yeah, they will have had to wear many different hats, for example. Uh, they will probably have had to deal with a lot of ambiguity, a lot of scaling, so these are all actually really interesting qualities so Yes, where they've worked, uh, if it's not a big tech company, that can often make it more interesting. Also, people who've worked in agencies uh, often have unique skill sets that are at our scale now, you know, with multiple of hundreds of people in the design team, that are really, really helpful. So um, depending on the role, I'm really keen to see where they've worked, but there are different backgrounds that
1: can equally uh, be, be of help. So just to round that up, what's kept you at Google for so long?
0: I had so many different jobs (laughs) when I joined as I said we were 50 people globally we are multiple thousands now so over those more than 10 years 13 years now I think I feel like I've worked for many different companies so that's not only true switching products I worked for many years on Maps now I work on search before that I worked on flights and hotels at some point payments at some point (laughs) so you know I feel I've um, yeah I've really uh, yeah i had a lot of different product experiences but i've also had many different hats so i came in working on user research but then i um, managed design for a while then i managed content strategy for a while at the moment i'm responsible for operations and strategy and infrastructure so it's really very very different jobs i had i was an ic for a while then i managed teams of more than hundreds of people so you know it's been a quite the right it's been an interesting journey
1: absolutely is it and um, so in terms of where you are next are you at, uh, speaking at any conferences where can people catch your work
0: I'm started publishing on our Google design blog so I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing that and I'll be in Berlin I think later this year at IFA, and then um, yeah we'll see what comes thank you very much Jens I really appreciate your time thank you